Hey there! I know you might be a little confused, but this is season number three, episode number 40. You're saying, but Dan, wait a second. Where is season number three, episode number 39? That never, like, appeared in any of the places that I find this podcast. Well, fear not, because episode number 39 is coming. Hopefully before episode number 40 comes out, but we'll just play it by ear. So this is season number three, episode number 40 of Sports Fellowship with Fox and Frank. I'm Dan Fox. And I'm Frank Knight. Hey, Frank. How are you? I'm good. This is the Bill Bates episode. Yes. Yes. Yes, the Bill, Bill Bates. Bates episode. I was thinking for a 40, and I'm like, I got a good one. Yes. Bill Bates of the Dallas Cowboys, those glory years of the 90s. B- B- Bill Bates, actually he played through a lot of the 80s, but Bill Bates was an undrafted free agent that was told he was too small, he was too slow. Rudy. Uh, and that he'd never be able to really make an NFL team. And he made the Cowboys as a special teams guy. And he not only did he make it, but he excelled at it. Put a hurting on some people. And he played safety. He was a backup safety, but he excelled as a special teams ace. And played a long time, had a long career, and he was definitely a fan favorite. Number 40. A folk hero for sure. Yeah. Number 40 for the Dallas Cowboys, Bill Bates. So this is the Bill Bates episode. Yes. Hey, Rich. Hello. How are you? Sorry. Speaking (laughs) Speaking of getting the podcast recorded, put out. Yeah. So... We uh, love you, Rich. Little uh, roadmap for where we're going. Not a whole lot going on in the NFL these days. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk briefly about the NFL. Um, and, you know, just a little bit. Most teams have wrapped up their OTAs and mini camps. Uh, the, the Cowboys, our Cowboys got fined. Um, they and, sure did. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, along with Washington and a couple other teams got fined. Um, and... Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we obviously want to talk about the conclusion of the NBA Finals and uh, congratulate the Golden State Warriors for their seventh uh, championship as a team, their fourth uh, fourth championship with this uh, iteration of the team, well, the core of the yeah, team, right. uh, and talk a little bit about that series and how that wound up. <clears throat> we want to talk about the beginning of the NHL uh, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, and well, Stanley Cup final because there is no S in in that one. Uh, so we'll talk about the Stanley Cup final and where we're at there. We'll talk about baseball. Uh, baseball been very very good to me. Indeed. So we will talk. That's a that's a quote, Rich. It's it is. Not, I never heard. It he has that. no idea. Okay. I never heard it. Where'd you get that from? That is from a famous left uh, a famous uh, right fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, from is he Cuban. No, he was uh, a Puerto Rican. Yeah. And uh, why don't I know that? I'm Puerto Rican. It became a very famous quote. <laughs> yes. And he was he was a Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm. Um, had 3000 hits, won mm-hmm. the World World Series with Pittsburgh. You don't know who I'm talking about? Uh-uh. Who am I talking about, Frank? I forget his name. Ah, I'm not the only one. <laughs> Garrett Morris. No, not Garrett Morris. <laughs> yeah, that's a Puerto that's Rican what pop, name. Okay. That's what popped up because he did the imitation of the guy. Was his last name Lopez Rodriguez? No. Um. Chico Escuela. Chico Escuela. That sounds like a Puerto Rican name. That's who it was. It was not Chico Escuela. Yes, Chico Escuela. 
Come on. Who is it? Roberto Clemente. Hey, that's it. <laughs> Baseball been Betty Betty good to me. That's right. The famous SNL catchphrase of Garrett Morris as Chico Escuela. Right, but so. that was taken from Roberto Clemente. Yep. If you say so. <laughs> anyway. I did not know that. Now I do. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about baseball and where we're at with that. Then we're going to talk about some uh, <clears throat> some golf. The U.S. Open is underway as we speak, uh, and it's uh, pretty neat, the rivalry between the Live Tour and the PGA Tour and uh, what's happening there and how that's all unfolding. And then we have some... We have some correspondence. We have a soccer report. Sweet. We have an email, some questions uh, that we want to address. Uh, and we're looking forward to a wonderful show. So strap in. I think we're getting an email, too. We're getting an email? Yeah, we're going to get one. As, as cutting, setting both of us straight on where that saying came from, because I just read it. So I'll save it. Well, then how are you we were getting wrong. an email? So it had nothing to do with Roberto Clemente. You were wrong, Dan. Then we're not getting an email. You just listen. Somebody's going to listen to the podcast, is my theory, and say they don't know what they're talking about. That's all. I, I think you overestimate our listeners. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, uh, I, before we do go on with the podcast, uh, I want to say that I'm very disappointed in both of you because there's something different about me. And of course, this, this isn't a thing that we do in video, so nobody listening knows. But neither of you noticed the difference in me today there's something very different about me or your glasses in appearance you're you're very you're red hot so these are the same frames i've always had your lenses the new lenses you didn't notice i notice it now that you pointed out i'm very disappointed that you didn't notice my new lenses well you got bifocals i've always had bifocals yeah they're just new yeah new prescription well i knew i knew like like anybody would really notice the lenses are different anyway disappointed I always know when you have a haircut, at least. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hair I have. Are, are we done, ladies? We're done, yes. <laughs> Move on. Wow. Wow. Well, I figured we had time for something silly. Okay. <laughs> well, Dan has Manly a nice thoughts, haircut. manly thoughts, did manly you, did, thoughts. Stop bears. Did you see Dan's bears. Did you see Dan's I was haircut? unmanly about anything. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> so... Uh, NFL. So yes. most of the, the no teams, fun league. Well, that's what some people. <laughs> no fun league. That's, that's what, what NFL. That's is. what some people say NFL stands for. I love Rich. I never heard that. I before. never heard that before. Uh, I love you, brother. <laughs> well, there's another saying, Rich, where uh, made by the famous former uh, head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, not for long. Um, where he, he went to, he didn't like the referee's calls, yeah. and he went up to them and he said, you know what NFL stands for? It stands for not for long. When you keep making calls like that, you're not going to be here that very was, long. That was classic. <laughs> so, Playoffs? You know, different Atlanta Falcons. Frank always, always looks at me when I don't know anything about sports, and he'll say, like, seriously, you don't know. You're playing with me, aren't you? I know. You? I really do think <laughs> he doesn't. And I'm looking at him like, that he does not. I really don't know. Yeah. All right, so in the OTAs, uh, the Cowboys, the uh, Washington Commanders, um, and a couple other teams all were fined $100,000 each for having too much contact at their OTAs. whole bunch of fluff. 
they said that, that the players were put in jeopardy yeah. because there was too much contact that put was the allowed. flags on them, get it over with. So sad. And also, they lost. Uh, Dallas lost one OTA day next year, and Washington lost two OTA yeah, days next fine. year. So, you know, um, I heard the Cowboys were going to do like a blow off a a thing. They did blow off one yeah, day to have like a, a day to bond. Yeah, yeah. So, so Frank, what do you think the NFL is going to do with the new revelations uh, about about uh, Deshaun Watson? Do you think that the NFL is going to – I mean, most of the uh, so-called experts have been predicting that he was going to get a uh, suspension of somewhere between six and eight games and that he was going to appeal it and it was going to be rolled back to somewhere around four games. Okay. Um, That's what the prevailing thought had been regarding Deshaun Watson. And and so that uh, that was basically a bullet that the Cleveland Browns were willing to bite. But then it comes out mm-hmm. that <clears throat> more information comes out that he solicited somewhere in the neighborhood of 66 different masseuses, female masseuses, yeah. from all over the place. And that two more were added to the lawsuit, the civic, the, the civil, civil, civil yeah. lawsuit um, <clears throat> against him, bringing that number up to 20 to 25, yeah. definitely 24, potentially 25. Uh, uh, civil suits against him. And it's basically come to light through the NFL's investigation that the, the, the Houston Texans were kind of protecting Deshaun Watson and kind of keeping things under wraps hmm. about what was happening with this. So these case. women were going to hit them is what you're saying? No, I'm uh, saying that they, they were basically him? running cover for him. Okay. Uh, that they didn't want to diminish his trade value and stuff, and that they were basically running cover that for they him. they knew these things. They Yes, they knew about some of these things. And it's also come to light that Deshaun Watson has basically lied to the Cleveland Browns and to the NFL in okay. um, his uh, account of what's transpired and what's happening here. I don't know how they know that, because he just recently came out uh, and spoke about it, I guess, when he went to the OTAs. And continues to say he didn't do anything wrong, that uh, anything that happened between him and the masseuses, if that's the right way to say it, mm-hmm. uh, were... Well, he lied about the numbers. Okay. And he lied about, you know... How could he what... lie about the numbers? I mean, well, how does he know how many? Well, he there was a certain number that he contacted. Okay. He lied about that part? Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, here's the bottom line, I think. The NFL will do their investigation... They'll find out who lied and who didn't, in their opinion. They'll see how egregious they think it is and what kind of penalty it warrants. And in the end, he'll probably get fined half the season. That's my opinion. Or eight games, if you will. Almost half. You can't, you're not going to fine him for half a game. I think the NFL is going to suspend him for the entire season. Yeah, I don't. Um, you look at what... Uh, I think the NFL looked very, very closely at what happened with Corey Kluber uh, in Major League Baseball. Um, and how he got wrapped up into a situation uh, with sexual assault um, and stuff. Was it assault? I, I mean, he, I don't want to get into the. Yeah, nuts it was and a weird thing, it. but uh, let's not get into it. But, right. Uh, but it was he. He was acquitted in a court of law. He admitted stuff, though. Right. 
uh, but it, he claimed it was consensual. Yeah. And his partner Even com- it was claimed it was harsh. Yeah, it was very physical. Yeah, and his his partner claimed it was excessive. Right. Um, he claimed it was consensual, and um, he ended up getting suspended for basically two years. Uh, from Major uh, League Baseball. Maybe you're right, Dan. Uh, I mean, there's. Uh, I'm not going to come from a personal standpoint. We're just talking about what the NFL will do. So I'm going to give my opinion sure. about it. But I'm trying to think how I think they'll handle it. And even with what you just said, I think it would be a specific amount of games. I'm basing that on what happened in the courts. So they, they'll weigh that as well as weighing what information they have. And I think Ultimately, he'll get an X, X amount of games because you can't right, necessarily in a co- prove in a court of law that these women didn't do it consensually. Right in a court of law, he they didn't say that he they, that he's innocent, but they True. said that they can't prove yeah. the allegations. And we've seen that be the case before, and the NFL would be pretty harsh with their penalties. Right. So there's an argument to be made for a full season, but my gut feeling is half the season. I just think that this has got such a terrible PR attached 100%. to it. Percent. Uh, that the NFL has to make a big stand. The Browns get it wrong time and time again. Right. And I, I think that, that the NFL has to make a, a big stand here and a grand gesture. And I think they're going to suspend him for okay. a year. I don't think it's unwarranted, personally, uh, from a standpoint of you know, uh, integrity and so on. Sure. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, uh, thinking of the Browns, here they have um, Baker Mayfield and all that goes with him and how everything – uh, he said last year and how they, they quote-unquote treated him, and now he's on the outs, and they're going to lose Watson for at least a specific amount of games, and they're going to want probably want Baker Mayfield back. That's going to be really interesting, what happens to their team. We'll see if they can get by with the quarterbacks they have or not. But it right. puts them in a terrible position. Going out to get this guy was really not a bright move on their part. Well, they're a desperate team, and a desperate team looking for a Pro Bowl uh, caliber quarterback. True. We all know the value of a of a high end quarterback. And maybe and, they just believed them, you right? Because uh, they did, maybe they wanted to. They believe did their him. own investigation, right? Maybe they wanted to believe him. But uh, a, a question that was going around on sports media this past week is: Should the Browns make nice with Baker Mayfield and try to bring him back for one more year? I think he has them where he wants them. So on some level, well, I mean, he, he's still under contract with Cleveland. Unless they want to go with Teddy Bridgewater, and you know, it's uh, he's still under contract with them. Supposedly, his shoulder has healed from surgery and everything. Um, so I'm not saying they should, but that right. was a topic of conversation. I personally think they'll come crawling back to him. I don't think so. I think that ship has sailed. Okay. I think they're going to go with Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, well, the problem with that, he'd be gone already if anybody wanted him. That's the problem. Well, if anyone was willing to pay their price, he is owed $18 million guaranteed yeah. this coming season. Well, you have to swallow a good portion of that, and somebody will take him, maybe. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It will. The topic of Sean Payton came up in conversation. I saw that. Um, the ever-present, uh, when it comes to media, uh, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, was asked in conversation of, about the status and what uh, Mike McCarthy needs to do to maintain his job. That basically they, they were asking him, if he doesn't win a playoff game, is he going to keep his job? And <clears throat> Jerry and Stephen Jones have proved the last several coaches that they've had that they are are willing to give somewhat of a long leash 
uh, to coaches that they're, they're not quick to just, everybody seems to think that Jerry Jones is quick to pull the trigger and fire a coach and move on from, right. If they really look at his past and his history, he has really been long suffering and patient with Absolutely. coaches. Well, it was a real love affair when they brought him in. I mean, they were giddy about it. Right. And, McCarthy. Um, I I think that if McCarthy doesn't make the playoffs this uh, doesn't make the playoffs this year and doesn't win a playoff game he should be fired. I don't think he's been impressive at all as a coach. I, there's a lot of decisions that have been made on the field. So and a lot of people have connected the dots, be, uh, knowing that Jerry Jones is very good friends with Sean Payton, the former head coach of the New Orleans Saints, and has, they've been saying that if McCarthy's shown the door. That uh, Gary, that Sean Payton, I don't know why I said Gary, but Sean Payton uh, is going to be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. But the problem with that is that there's a number of other suitors that are out there uh, that come with much less chaos of a, of a team than the Dallas Cowboys. That do. doesn't worry me. Uh, it when I heard that the Dolphins were going uh, hot and heavy after Sean Payton, and that that didn't happen, uh, it tells me that Sean Payton, there's two things. He's happy right now to just take some time off. I think that was genuine. He left New Orleans for that reason, so he'll do that. But he'll get that itch again, and he knows who's going to hire him. I think he knows that that job awaits. I really do. Now, I don't know if they spoke about it, Jerry Jones and Sean Payton, but I think he's fully aware that that's going to be his future head coaching job, and that's probably the job he wants. And one last question for for our NFL for this week. It um, and I was hoping that our our hooky friend would be here because it re- it is regarding his team mm-hmm. and his favorite his favorite player that being one Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. In that um, Tyreek Hill having been traded to the from the Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins, basically because he wanted he he was coming up on the last year of his contract and. Uh, that he sat down with Chiefs management to talk about a potential extension, and he wanted to be paid as the highest paid wide receiver in football. And the, if you're paying your quarterback forty five million dollars, like the like the Chiefs are, and you're paying your tight end top shelf money, uh, and some of your other players some pretty big salaries, you just can't afford to pay everybody. Everybody can't set the market and uh, pl- and be the top paid player at their position. So you better draft well. Definitely. If you want to maintain a good team, you better draft well. But so when the Chiefs realized that, I don't think there was any hard feelings between the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. It's just the Chiefs made a business decision right. and they were offered a, a, an offer they couldn't refuse mm-hmm. from the Miami Dolphins be, being two number one picks plus plus uh, for Tyreek Hill, and so they pulled the trigger and traded him away. Yeah. And then after uh, two weeks of OTAs, Tyreek Hill came out saying that uh, after playing for for his whole career so far with Patrick Mahomes, that Tua Tungavailoa is the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with. Yeah. And and then he doubled down on it. He was given kind of the opportunity to sort of kind of back away from it. And just basically say, you know, Tua just looks really good and I'm really glad to be here in Miami. But he kind of doubled down on it. And a lot of people are, are tr- again, trying to connect the dots. I don't think it's really there, but they're trying to connect the dots to say that he's throwing Patrick Mahomes under the bus. Hmm. Mahomes could sometimes be a little fluky. 
with his throwing, I think. You know, Fluky he, like hooky? He does throw <laughs> he does throw from weird angles and stuff like that. He can throw on the run like nobody. He can throw with the left hand if he chooses to. So he's uh he's creative when he throws. But I think like early on in his career I feel like he got away with a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I'm listen, the guy's great. He is. He's a great player. Uh whether it's the design of the offense uh, or um, Patrick Mahomes, I'm not sure if there's a problem one way or the other. But I think he got away with a lot of deep passes that the receiver, uh, especially Tyreek Hill, made amazing catches. And his speed made up for mistakes, for instance. And then, you know, Kelsey is obviously who he is, so the shorter passing game, uh, he benefits from that as well. But I wouldn't say he's, uh, from watching Patrick Mahomes, that he's not accurate. I wouldn't put him in that category. No, but I think he um, has a little bit of Brett Favre in him. Yeah, Um, gunslinger. And Brett Favre used to try to get almost like be be almost like a globetrotter of football and try to throw the ball, make things harder than they have to be. I hear you. And uh, has... And I think Patrick Mahomes has eternal confidence in his arm and in his ability. And at times, that gets him into trouble. It happens to a lot of players like like him, you uh-huh. know, especially when you get to the great arm. Right. He is he is supremely talented. He's probably the most talented quarterback in the NFL today. And maybe, I think, should go down in the top 10 somewhere all time if he continues on his trajectory. I, I, but I, last year, as you said... He did not get away with not really a, with a lot of his his uh, I would say almost silliness. I think his mobility <laughs> is a better. I think his mobility is a better trait for him than his accuracy in the long run. But his accuracy isn't egregious. But yeah, taking that chance uh, and putting your team in jeopardy—that's you want. You don't want that. And that's not Tom Brady-ish, for instance. Right, Hookie always bangs on Brady for saying that he's a system quarterback. And to a certain extent, he's right. Brady is a system quarterback, but he excels within that system. And he plays within that system and puts up consistent numbers and uh, consistently wins in that system. Well, and then he went to Tampa Bay and got in a completely different system and won a Super Bowl. I think he brought a lot the of the team that we're talking about. I think he brought a lot of the elements from that original system with him to Tampa Bay. It wasn't a lot of the quick passes though. He was asked to throw the ball down the field more and they won a Super Bowl. They, sure. Their defense had a lot to do with it. Sure. So it just was interesting to see. Yeah, I I'm just saying that like basically uh Tyreek Hill questioned uh Patrick Mahomes' accuracy and the amount of times that he got the ball. Uh, the amount of times he was targeted. Do you think he was really trying to point out Mahomes' shortcomings, or he was just trying to play up his value in Miami? And- I think he's trying to pump up to Atunga Iloa because yeah. he's stuck with him. Yeah, and the residual effect was kind of made it look like he was putting down Mahomes. Right, and I also think you know Patrick Mahomes made the comment that uh, that. Tyreek Hill made these statements on his brand new podcast, and he's trying to draw attention sure. to his podcast. Sure, and, there's no rush there. And get that off off the ground. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in his statement said, "I love 
Tyreek Hill. We love Tyreek sure. Hill here in Kansas City. We're very thankful for mm-hmm. uh, his effort and his contributions uh, when he was here. And he said that he even had an opportunity to go to Miami and hang out with Pat- with uh, Tyreek Hill. Hmm. Uh, and so he ju- that's why he made the statement that he thinks it's just a matter of trying sure. to uh, get his podcast. Yeah, I think it's off a nothing burger in the big scheme. Okay. All right, just uh, wanted to throw that out there. It will be interesting to see how good Tua can be, though. He doesn't have an excuse now. Right. Now we are entering the dead period of the NFL. This There's about a six-week period uh, here between the middle of June and the beginning of August when teams – actually, it's the last week in July when the first two teams go to camp. And then the following week, the rest of the teams, the first week of August, go into camp. So it's uh, – did receive an invitation to a certain fantasy football draft already, so I'm in football mode. Well, you know the the football fantasy football will be here before you know the it. Four life fantasy football. That's right, the four life fantasy football league. Um, and uh, you know, Rich, you going to show up and, and observe? We're going to be at Rocco's. We're going to do a draft there. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, there'll yeah. be food. Sure, I'll come. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be free food paid for by this guy. Um, and uh, I'm sure you get the great discount, though. Well, you know, they'll hook me up. But, you yeah. know, it's always nice to be there with Mike and, and uh, Miranda. Rocco's Pizza, yeah. South Main Street, Phillipsburg, New Jersey. That's right. So shout out to them. Yes. Uh, we are always thankful for them. So switching gears a little bit, mm-hmm. Frank, let's talk about the NBA and uh, the NBA Finals. Warriors came out to play. Yes, they did. You know, I, I really thought, and I've watched the series. You know, I don't watch a lot of basketball, but I've watched the series. And I really thought Boston was going to win game six. I really thought it would go to game seven. I feel like watching the game, the specific game, I knew that um, for the um, Warriors to win, Steph Curry would have to have a nice game. And sure. he did. He had sure. a really good game. Uh, but uh, what surprised me is... Boston's inability to make shots when it really counted. And I got a sense that they need something more on their offense because Tatum is too much of a focus of the offense is what I got out of it. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. I think Tatum is a really good player, but I don't think Tatum, at least in this this iteration and incarnation of him, is not the superstar. And I, I feel like... Uh, a lot of the NBA so-called experts are trying to force this narrative that that Jason Tatum is a superstar, and he is not. Uh, when the game is on the line, he does not come up big. But do you think that he needs another guy that that could be that you know? Well, that's what shot maker when they needed. That's or what Brown guy. is supposed to be. Uh, and Brown had some games too, and right. he had a pretty good game in Game Six. Jalen Brown is supposed to be his running mate there, and they're supposed to carry the offense together. Uh, but <clears throat> they just uh, and don't get me wrong, the Boston was a worthy Eastern Conference champion. Yeah, I'm not saying that they you know limped their way or whatever or you know cajoled their way into the into the NBA Finals. Uh, they were a worthy Eastern Conference champion. Yeah, it's just that's good that the th- the big three in Golden State uh, just basically over overcame and overwhelmed. They figured supposedly uh, the the Warriors figured something out in Game Three, uh, Game Four, Game Four. They figured something out and yeah. they didn't lose after that. Right. 
and uh, they were able to just you know put put it to the the Celtics and and knock them out. And you know I don't know um, I don't know what the Celtics are going to look like long term because they have a couple of older players that made some pretty significant contributions in the playoffs here and stuff. And you can't always count on older players to do that. But on the other hand, you know the the Warriors are not exactly young, though they do right. have some really good young players from the from the couple years here in between when they were cha- championship level to now. They, I'm not saying they tanked, but their their seasons fell apart and they got some pretty high draft picks. Wiggins had a nice game seven for the Warriors, and I feel like he but was he a really still can't key guy. Shoot, he still can't shoot the three. He shoots the three like a brick. Missed a lot of them. And he uh, he did f- figure out that he needs to play closer to the basket, and he did a great job on the offensive rebound and the, uh, offensive glass, rebounding the ball and scoring points in there, right. and taking some of the pressure off of Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Clay Thompson was a key too. Uh, Dr- what do you think of Draymond Green's play? I mean, Draymond is the kind of player that if he's on your team, you absolutely adore him. Kind of a jerk. And but if he's on another, if he's on the team you're playing against, you absolutely hate. Yeah, him. that's got so that it's, sense. It's like hill for me. Yes. <laughs> well, no, because Draymond like stirs things up, and he likes to get in the face of the other players and you know talk smack. And he's the kind of player that when he's on your team and he's playing for you, you love him. Well, you know that I really like Stephon Curry a lot. I was happy for him that he won the MVP. It's the first time he's done that, and they've won four championships. Uh, so it was kind of neat, too. He was very humble about it. I watched the postgame stuff up to a point, and uh, he kept saying, team, team, team. Right. You know, that was, I like to see that. Right. It seemed genuine. He is a unique player in today's NBA because he doesn't seem to be all caught up in building his brand and social media uh, status and stuff like that. He seems to be much more concerned about building uh, a, a winner and building a championship caliber. Absolutely, winning is uh, all that matters. Don't right, building a championship caliber atmosphere uh, that other players seem to gravitate towards. Because you know Andrew Wiggins could have signed somewhere else, but he signed. He he was traded there, and then he signed an extension uh, while he was there. And then you know they drafted Pool. And uh, late in the first round, and he has panned out to be a pretty nice player. In the last game, um, and they they have you know they have a pretty bright future. Even if uh, Steph and Clay and Draymond start to age a little mm-hmm. bit, they still have a pretty bright future there. Of course, the aging thing comes with injury a lot of times, and that could kill you. But right, that's what killed them the last the two years. Is that uh, right? You know. Clay Thompson uh, blew out his knee, blew out his Achilles the last two years, yeah. and completely missed both seasons. Yeah, other players were asked about him uh, in the post-game interviews, and they said that it was so key for him to be there and play at the level he did. So, I think he was really missed last year. Right. Going forward, Vegas has already labeled the uh, Golden State Warriors as the favorite to repeat as champions. Okay with them being the favorite, but let's be careful about picking a winner already. Yeah, I'm just you know, throwing There's always it out Milwaukee there. out there, too, and I imagine they'll come back with a vengeance. Well, yeah, Chris Middleton should be back and healthy for them. So, But know. it was fun watching this series. I was kind of caught because uh, I've always kind of liked the Celtics, even though I'm a Knicks fan. Um, and I liked the Warriors because of Stephon Curry. So uh, I really didn't care who won in the big scheme, but I kind of found myself rooting for Curry and the Warriors a little bit. And when, when they won and he was crying, the, like I said, the genuine nature of that, it did hit me that he really just cared about winning, ultimately. 
All right. Well, uh, moving forward, we are going to transition. And when we transition, I turn it over to my friend Frank. We hold this podcast, this here podcast, if you will, in Dan's basement. Dan's basement, it's palatial, the setup he's got here. We've got a few extra tables here, and um, Rich has got his own little great space over there. He's He can look at his comic books on his computer while we do this and be comfortable. The treadmill's over to my right. I don't see any dust on it, but Hookie would probably tell you. We want to tell you about... Uh, the place where we used to do the podcast though that would be fox brothers alarms we used to do it at their warehouse and they had this great palatial studio for us there fox alarm fox brothers alarms a local alarm company that has been family owned and operated in the lehigh valley since 1972 if you're keeping track that's 50 years that's the same age as dan fox why you gotta throw me under the <laughs> Happy birthday, Dan. Dan turned 50 on Monday, and we're happy for Dan. Happy uh, birthday. All right, enough. <laughs> Here is their core value statement. We want to tell you about their core value statement. We bring integrity, security, experience, quality, reputation, and solutions to every job we do. Our safety is our number one priority, and we don't take security lightly, and they really don't. What do they do? Burglar alarms, fire alarms, security alarms. They do access control, automatic services, and remote services. And they serve in protecting homes and businesses in eastern Pennsylvania and western New Jersey. You get a free evaluation. So, to get started in protecting your home or business, you can do two things. Number one, pick up the phone and call 1-800-FOX-BROS, one 800 Fox B R O S. So when you do that, you want to ask for Mark. That would be Dan's younger brother, Mark, his baby brother. Or you can go on the internet and you can punch in www.foxbrothersalarms.com. www.foxbrothersalarms.com. And you can get started in securing the things that need protection in your life. And you can also follow them on Facebook. You'll find them there, too. Just go to Facebook and punch in Fox Brothers Alarms. What else? What else do we do in this segment, Dan? We talk about Facebook? We have a Facebook. Well, we have a Facebook page for the program, but first we usually talk about our email. This, this program... Well, usually first we talk about our Facebook, but... Anyway, Dude, I thought I usually finished up at the Facebook. We no, have to emails. Go back and check, folks. <laughs> I love you, Dan. Yeah, so we did talk about Facebook a minute ago, and we wanted to let you know that you, not only can you find Fox Alarms, uh, Fox Brothers Alarms on there, you can find our podcast there, too. If you just go to the Internet again and go to Facebook and you have a Facebook you know, um, account, punch in Sports Fellowship with Fox and Frank, which is what you're listening to now, and voila, the page will pop up. You'll see us. You'll see connections to this podcast. You can reach out and contact us on the Facebook page. Everything regarding this podcast is on the Facebook page, including the podcasts themselves. So check us out on Facebook. It's a great way to communicate with us. Another way you can communicate with us is with our email. And so our email is sports with Fox and, Fox, with Fox and Frank at gmail.com. Sports with Fox and Frank at gmail.com. And when we do this, we always ask Rich one question. 
Hey, Rich, do we have any emails? We have two emails. One is, an, one is a soccer report. The other one comes from an anonymous person. Anonymous? Anonymous. Anonymous. <laughs> okay, the anonymous question. Oh, I'm going to jump right in. Is oh, actually yeah. for, for our, my friend Frank. Oh, That's wow. Frank. Hmm. It's uh, entitled Questions for Frank. Okay. He's, the person says, hey, Frank. With the demise of your Rangers and the fact that the Braves and maybe even the Phillies seem to be creeping up on your Mets, how are you feeling? I guess they're wondering if you if they should start putting nets underneath the bridges by your house. I don't have a fever or anything. Um, I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Um, <laughs> but what do your Rangers need to do to go further next year? Are your Mets playing poorly, or are the Braves and Phillies just playing better than expected? Okay. Thank you, Anonymous, for your email. Appreciate it. Uh, let's start with the Rangers. The New York Rangers, who exceeded expectations this year, uh, was pleased with their performance. I think they ran out of gas by the time they got to Tampa, uh, the, to that series. And I think they're just a little overwhelmed in the end. And they took it to six games, and they seemed really gassed at the end. And um, what they need to do, in my opinion, is re-sign some of these uh, players that they got at the deadline. One of them would be Cop, right? Uh, he's an important player for them to keep. I think he made a big difference down the stretch for them. I also think um, they struggled. During the season, five on five. So they were good on the power play and scoring, but they struggled typically on five on five. So I think what they need to do is find a way to add a little offense in the uh, free agency market. And they do have a little money to spend, depending on how they work out the free agents that they need to sign or not sign. Another player that's going to be waiting to be signed is Kako Kako who's a fairly new player for them and really came into his own in the playoffs. So I'd like to see them re-sign Kako Kako. I'd like to see them get another dynamic offensive player that they could add to one of their lines. And I think they're fine otherwise. I mean, they, they did get pretty deep in the playoffs, so I like their chances next year. I think they were a year ahead of themselves, and I, I think they're a legitimate contender because Igor Shosturkin seems to be the real deal at goalie, so they're set there. So that would be the Rangers for me. And the second part of the question is, am I worried, basically? Are the Mets playing poorly, or are the Braves and Phillies just playing better than expected? Well, I don't know that the Braves, for instance, are playing better than expected. They're last year's World Series champions. They've been surging, winning a lot of games in a row. Right, but they've won like 14 games. They have, and the Mets lost a few games in that stretch, but they weren't egregiously bad. They played 500 ball on a road trip, on a West Coast road trip, and more recently they just took two out of three from the Brewers. So I think the Mets are playing the way they've been playing for the most part, and the Braves just surged at the right time. So it's a long season. The Phillies are there. They're a little bit behind the Braves, and they've won quite a few games in the last couple weeks too. So are they legitimate? Sure, why not? I think I could sit here all day and tell you about all the holes on the Phillies. I know that they have some egregious holes. And so I'm more worried, quote-unquote, about the Braves than I am about the Phillies. But I feel like the Mets will make some moves at the deadline and bolster their team. They're looking at getting uh, Scherzer back from an injury sooner than DeGrom. And DeGrom's on his way, too. So I'm hopeful that those two come back healthy. And the Mets should be set for the stretch if they make some kind of move for a reliever or maybe another bat. That's my feeling on all that. 
Okay, I think the Phillies uh, are playing better than expected um, and winning games that, from a certain perspective, they almost have no business winning. Uh, the Braves are the Braves, and they're still five full games back, right. which is not close um, in the grand scheme of things. If the Mets keep playing well. Right, and yeah. it's I, I don't think the Mets have fallen off the table uh, in order to let the Phillies and, and – uh, well, mainly the Braves, but but uh, on a longer shot, the Phillies mm-hmm. uh, get within uh, within a little better range. But this would have to keep going for the rest of the month of June for this to get really interesting. If the Braves c- could get within about three games, I think it's on then. Sure, that's fair. But uh, the Phillies are a long way away from getting being three games out. Um, so. Um, Right now, the Phillies are on a bit of a run. The Braves are on a bit of a run. And they do have plenty of games against each other uh, going forward. Fair point. So it's all going to play out. I watch watch the Mets every night. I never miss a game. I like what I see out of them. They play good uh, fundamental ball, thanks to uh, our new manager, Showalter. Uh, They're playing a lot smarter ball, even the at-bats, how they work the count and so on. Uh, I like what I see out of them. So I think that they'll battle all year i think they'll win a lot of games it could take 96 to 98 games to win the division if the braves keep surging and who knows about the phillies but you know the division was thought to be pretty good going in and i think that it's starting to prove to be each team has their holes i think the phillies have more egregious holes than the braves and the mets uh, because of their defense and because of their bullpen you know those are important things in baseball so but they can score an awful lot of runs, Dan, so they can play with anybody, you know, and they do have pretty good starting pitching staff. So the other two teams, Washington and the Marlins, I'm not worried about them at all. No, they're they're even, you know, at this early stage, they're, but they're pretty much could done. Get really interesting. It could. And injuries always can factor in. So we'll see what happens. The Mets have been having their share of them. Another pitcher went down last night, um, Tyler McGill, Tyler McGill, went down with an arm injury, and he's been filling in. Doing pretty well for them. So if they keep losing starting pitchers, they're going to be in trouble. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. That's my assessment. Okay. And he's sticking to it. I am. Um, all right. Then we have a soccer report from our uh, soccer correspondent down there in North Carolina, one Daniel Hooks. He says, he says, hey, guys, tonight's update is all about the World Cup. The teams for this year's World Cup have been finalized. The top five favorites are number five, Argentina, number four, Spain, number three, England, or the United Kingdom, number two, France, and number one, Brazil. A lot can change between now and when the World Cup starts, so we'll have to keep an eye on it. For the United States, we just beat Grenada and tied El Salvador in a pair of Nations League's matches. We still have some roster management to figure out before the World Cup starts, but there is time. Our first match will be against Wales in November. For the 2026 World Cup, the cities where the matches will be played were just announced. The U.S. will host 11 of the cities, with two each uh, for Mexico and Canada. We don't know where the the World Cup final will be played just yet, but I'm hoping for a U.S. location. It will be tempting for FIFA to pick Mexico City because they've hosted the final twice before. Have a great show, Daniel Hooks. Thank you, Daniel. 
Um, interestingly enough, Philadelphia was chosen as one of those cities that will host World Cup games in 2026. Hmm, great place for a riot. Wow. Well, you know how sometimes soccer games get out of hand? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. Only Eagle fans are jerks. If you say so. All the other Philadelphia fans are wonderful, kind I'm not saying anything nice about people. individual people. I just know what I've witnessed. So, you know, only Eagle fans yeah. are jerks. Uh, yeah, Flyers fans don't have a reputation at no! all. No! Flyers fans are so kind. They are. And loving. Mm-hmm. And, oh my gosh, you're so welcoming. Right. <coughs> um, so. <laughs> all right, so moving forward. What do you got, Dan? I got the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. The Colorado Avalanche are playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Rangers didn't make it. And what a game one. The Colorado Avalanche have home ice advantage, and they took game one four to three in overtime. Fun game to watch. Fun game to watch. Did you watch it? I did. Yeah. How about the Avalanche having a 3 1 lead? Tampa Bay tying it up. Going into overtime. Yeah, it was exciting. I, I was, uh, I'm, I'm kind of caught here. Like I like to root, you know, uh, and I do want Tampa to win that third in a row, uh, but at the same time, I don't have anything against Colorado, so I can just sit back and kind of enjoy it. It was, it was hot, potent, uh, a lot of potent offense in the game. I feel like uh, the Tampa has the goalie advantage, and I still like them to win the series. Yeah, it's fun to watch because uh, Colorado has a lot of young, uh, talented players. And they really put it together. They were the, uh, what is it, the President's Cup uh, trophy? Top record. Top record in the the regular season. And uh, so they came in as the number one seed in the Western Conference. I feel like the Eastern Conference is more competitive is all. Well, yeah. And... You know, it's it's uh, it's uh, interesting to see, and I th- I don't think Colorado's going to go away anytime soon. It's, it's I don't think this team oh, yet no. is as loaded as the Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, Patrick Waugh teams. Yeah, no, I'm with you there, but they certainly have really nice young talent. They do. They're a good team. So looking for them to play well going forward, and um, it really is remarkable that the in a salary cap league where your team turns over about 20 at least 20% every year your team turns over uh one year to the next because of the salary cap uh that the Tampa Bay Lightning have been able to maintain this this level of greatness. Yeah, they've been in the last four Stanley Cup finals. Right. And before that, they lost twice in the uh conference championships. Right. So that's pretty Long streak of success and consistency. Yeah, amazing. So you know, and we we usually don't say that. Obviously, one cup is is not a, a dynasty. Even two cups in a row is not really a dynasty in the NHL. But to go, no team since the uh, since the nineteen nineteen eighties has won three cups in a row. Um, that's a lot. So, doing a lot. You know, it that's doing a lot, that's, especially in a salary cap league. Um, it's it's a really big deal. It really is, and so uh, you know, it says something about their coaching too. You're right. Both of those teams are, would be worthy champions, but my heart does kind of pull for Tampa. Yeah, it's where I am too. I'd like to see them win again. So yeah, all right. Major League Baseball. We heard what Frank thinks about his his Mets, but what do we think about the rest of Major League Baseball? Oh, the Yankees. Let's talk about them. Yeah, since we're you know on the East Coast. They are. It doesn't seem like they can lose a game, Dan. No matter what they do. 
right? They're 47 and 16 on the season. Amazing. How they lost 16 is beyond me. Yeah, I'm wondering that myself. They didn't start out great. They didn't have a huge start. No, they didn't. They lost a few there. And uh, guess what? They're beating the Blue Jays 6-1 right now in the fifth. Yep. In Toronto. And they just keep keep piling them on. I mean, the Yankees look like they're going to almost certainly be in the World Series. And it's it's something crazy to say this early. But they've got it all together. And they've even got a guy now, I forget his name, closing, who looks like he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. So they seem to have every single thing covered. Relief right. pitching, starting pitching, power you know, fielding. They they won. They went on a winning streak of like thirteen in a row, and now they're put. They they that streak was broken, and now they're on another streak where they've already won seven in a row, and are projected to win uh, over a hundred and three games this season. Looking like a great team. So it, it is a long season, as we mentioned earlier. So you just never know. There are peaks and valleys in the baseball season, but the Yankees look like the class of Major League Baseball right now. Well, they are record wise. Yes. What else you got? Um, you know, looking around, there's the St. Louis Cardinals have overtaken the Milwaukee Brewers like in that division. Um, I and picked them for the division win. I did too. Mm-hmm. So um, then you've got San Diego overtaking the Dodgers in the in the National League West. So that's always interesting. There it is. Um, you've still got uh, Minnesota and Cleveland fighting it out in the uh, American League Central. Uh, Houston is already up nine games in the American League West. Um, as you said, the Yankees are already up 10 games. And, I mean, 10 games over a really good Toronto team, uh, a Toronto team that should threaten people in the playoffs. They were having trouble with the Yankees this year, but who isn't? Right. Yeah, they're in second uh, in the American League East. Right. And, uh, I, I mean, the Twins look like they're going to – Easily win the Central, as you say. The Guardians are right behind them, 32 and 30, 27. I'm not sure how that's going to unfold. But here are the Astros, as usual, way on top of the AL West. Right. They're up by nine games. And they've been the Yankees' nemesis. And, of course, we know about the cheating and all that uh, when they beat them to get to the World Series last time. What do you think about the Astros? I think the Astros have a nice team, but I just I'm not sure. I I, I look forward to the playoffs and yeah. seeing what what they're able to do. Yep. I don't know if they have enough pitching. Yeah, that's the question. So, uh, the the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim took a, a huge blow today wow. with Anthony Rendon uh, being put on the shelf Boy, for the he, rest of the season. He hasn't been able to stay healthy for them at all. He. He injured his wrist, and it's so bad that he has to have surgery. That's so a big loss. It is a big loss. They're paying him big money, and um, he's uh, their starting third baseman. It's supposed to be one of the anchors of the team, and you know, and they're already five games under five hundred as it is. So. Right. Yeah. Put a fork in them. Pretty much. So. They do have Noah Syndergaard, though. Well, how long is he going to be healthy? <laughs> exactly. He's on his way back after surgery. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it looks like it is going to come down to most likely Astros and Yankees in the American League. And it's hard to say in the National League, but the Dodgers, you know, obviously, even though the, the uh, Padres have taken the lead in the division, you have to love the Dodgers to be right there. Right. Class of the National League, I'd say. All right, Frank, let's talk about the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open is going on right now uh, up in Massachusetts. Massachusetts? Yeah, in the Boston area. So what do you think? 
So it looks like um, it started off in the first the first day with some players whose names I didn't recognize. I'm not mm-hmm. saying they're not good players, but uh, I'm a casual golf fan. I can tell that and you're not teaching right now. So, what? I could tell that you're not teaching right now. That you'd be on top of the golf. I didn't okay. think you had much interest in golf. Well, you know, uh, then, but there were some names on the top of the leaderboard that I didn't really recognize. Like Domin? Yes. And and Buckley? Yes. Yeah, me too. And, and then, you know, you've got, um, and Hostler, um, but then today it seemed that those players came kind of back down to earth. Well, Domin's uh, still at five minus five tied right. with Morikawa. But then Colin Morikawa came up. And then and there's you've a got name John Rahm, uh, you know, you've got Rory McIlroy in the in the hunt. Yeah, uh, so, it was nice to see him in there. You know, these are guys that, you know, I've heard of. Scotty Scheffler is only two shots off. Um, you know, Patrick Rogers is two shots off. So it's it's like the, the to me, it's almost like the, the group became more compacted. Um, yeah, and this is the U.S. Open. The score is generally relatively low per day. Right, um, and it's not the easiest course in the world, but it's kind of flat, and it's not it's not uh, the longest course in the world either. So uh, I think that you get a lot of players that you get a lot of bunched up players as far well, as the lead goes. If that's the case, shouldn't the numbers be lower? Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily, because it depends on the greens and stuff like that too. Okay. Might not be the easiest to putt on. That's the kind of the history of the U.S. Open. Well, I know that they were saying that Phil Mickelson's uh, putter uh, was giving him enormous trouble. Um, that's well, why Mickelson he's way out is, of it. He's he's done. Put a fork in him. I think his best days are way past him. Okay. Of course, uh, the big talk in golf is about the whole thing with Saudi Arabia and so on. We yeah, touched on last week. The, L, the LIV, the Live Tour versus the PGA Tour. And so there's some seems to be some uh, animosity player to player over taking money from Saudi Arabia. Certain players doing that. Yeah. So you got a little bit of dissension within the ranks there. Well, but also, I, I, yes, that's true, but, but nobody seems to be talking about a couple things. Uh, that the PGA basically controls the the players that are on their tours. Right. And it is very expensive uh, to get on the PGA Tour, uh, even if you are talented enough. And then once you get on, you have to work your way up through several junior tours that are expensive to get on, um, and the payouts are not that good. So, you know, we talk a lot about the, or, or we hear a lot about the young players that are, you know, all, all playing on the big PGA Tour and stuff, but there's several hundred players that are playing their way through the Asian PGA Tour mm-hmm. and the European PGA Tour and even the the junior American PGA Tour. Sure. Um, and uh, that these guys are out there doing their best and everything, and they're just kind of scraping by. Uh, that's number one. And then number two, the, we talk about the name, image, and likeness when it comes to college sports. And according to the contracts that the PGA has – the, they control all the NIL for all the players on the PGA Tour. Right. Like, a player has to get uh, – this is insane. They have to get approval from the PGA to be able to profit and benefit off of their own NIL. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the PGA – I'm not saying that the players are, are wrong for taking the, L, the, the, the live money, 
But I'm also, I think in, in light of the, of the way sports are going, what's happening in sports, the PGA needs to back off some of this stuff and give these player, the players on their tour more freedom. And I think some of those players wouldn't have jumped to the Live Tour had, uh, had the uh, PGA backed off of some of their restrictions. Yeah, money talks, my friend. Sure. Well, as Tony Kornheiser likes to say all the time, the answers to all your questions is money. There you go. I always say follow the money. If you want to see what people's motives are for things that they do, follow the money. You'll always find out what, what the motivation is. It's going to end up being the money in the long run. That's just human nature, unfortunately. By the way, John Rahm will win this tournament. Okay. I'm, I'm predicting it. Oh, I'm going to stick with Murakawa. I think this, this, Fair enough. this uh, course sets up very nicely for him. He's a very precise and precision minded golfer call. and I think that he is going to uh, benefit and flourish o- over the next couple of days okay cheesesteak <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> I was really kidding here we go cheesesteak here kidding. it comes and neither of us watch enough of it for it to be that I'm willing important. to bet a cheesesteak it's kidding so around it's all good Jeez. now a gentleman's bet I do like uh, I do like Rom you don't want that cheesesteak he's not American but he is the favorite excuse me you don't want that cheesesteak again he already has me one I tried to pay it off on Monday. Frankly, doesn't Dan doesn't really owe me anything. He's got a generous heart. So, but uh, we did make a bet that he lost. But I do that's agree right. with you. He does. I've have been a wrong a lot heart. more. Yes, he does. He's a wonderful man. And I offered to pay it off on Monday and was swiftly. It was your birthday. Swiftly <laughs> rebuffed. Hey, <laughs> I'm just saying I was willing to. Yeah, what kind of guy would I be? All right. Well. I, we want to thank you guys for listening and putting up with us and our silliness uh, and stuff. And, Victor. Uh, that's right. Shout out to our boy Victor and his, his wonderful sister, Igata. He's going to be cutting and, my lawn and, tomorrow, Victor. Yeah. Victor is a stud and with his uh, little business that he's what, got man, going there. Boy can cut some lawns and do some other things, too. He needs no removal. Victor's your guy. That's right. Contact the Polish show. Polish Hammer. Indeed. The Polish Hammer. All right. It. So... Um, we want to uh, thank you for listening, and when we're about to wind up this podcast, I turn it over to my friend Frank. So, we do this podcast, you know, week after week, and you hear us talk about Jesus. And if you're wondering about why we call the podcast Sports Fellowship, it's because of our faith. It's why we came up with that. It's a fellowship that we do with each other, and we like to share it with the uh, listeners that we have, all three of them. So here's why we believe in the power of God and his love for us. We believe that Jesus died for our sins and that we have a direct line to communicate with him through prayer and even when we just need to share our struggles, our pain, and even our joys. Uh, We believe Jesus is alive, having been resurrected. Another thing we believe is how important it is that we gather with each other as folks uh, who love the Lord and want to worship him while loving and supporting each other. This is what God has told us we should be doing. He also tells us to bring the message um, of his great love for us out to the community. So our church is First Baptist Church, and we're in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Now, we're, we are at 810 Red School Lane in Phillipsburg, New Jersey, and uh, it's technically Lopakong Township. If you listen to this podcast and you are nearby... Uh, won't you consider joining us on Sunday at 10 a.m.? We'd love to see you there uh, for our worship service. Uh, there, you will be greeted and made to feel loved right as you enter the doors. Now, 
I'll turn it over to Dan because he's going to tell you about our website. The church website has uh, got a lot of really good information and, and stuff there that you can uh, you can pick up on very easily and quickly. The church web address is www.fbcpburg.org. That's www.fbc, as in First Baptist Church, Peburg, as in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. So www.fbcpburg.org. And on there, you can see all, all kinds of information about our activities and what we do as a church. Uh, there's something for everyone uh, at our church, every age group, uh, from the cradle all the way to our senior yeah, saints Vacation ministries. Bible school is coming right up. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. And then Frank uh, loves to cook breakfast for the workers at Vacation Bible School. That's my part. So um, then uh, we've got um, all of our all of our recent sermons and services are all available to you. You can listen to them uh, on by just audio, or you can watch the entire service uh, through video. Uh, they're all available there, and there's an archive you can go into there, and even hear our friend Hookie mm-hmm. uh, uh, give a few uh, few sermons and things like that. So, uh, we would really encourage you to go in and, and check us out online. Uh, if you have a need, or if you just need uh, have a burden on your heart, or you need someone to talk to, or maybe even someone just to pray for you, uh, we are here for you, and. Uh, you can fill out what's called the communication card on uh, on our website, uh, our church website. Again, www.fbcpburg.org. And you can go on there and you can click on communication card. It's one of the headings uh, on the top of the of the webpage. And you can fill it out. And you can remain anonymous if you choose. If you don't want to share your information, that's perfectly fine. Just share your prayer request. You don't even have to put people's names or anything if you don't want to. You can stay as anonymous as you'd like. You can uh, put in as much information as you'd like. If you'd like someone to contact you and reach out to you and, and bless you that way, we would be happy to do it. Or if you just put your prayer request there and we will commit to praying for that for you. Uh, there's power in prayer and there's power in community. Amen. And we want to do both of those things for you. We're here for you for that. Amen, indeed. And so uh, check us out. Uh, either online or in person. We would love to see you either way. And um, we always say we love sports, but we love Jesus more. And that is the truth. So, All right. Again, we want to thank you for listening to this podcast and putting up with us. Uh, please share it with a friend. We'd love to expand our little podcast family Hopefully here. you'll be listening um, to two back-to-back podcasts. That's right. Uh, dual, coming out with two here at a time. So we want to thank you, and without any further ado, may the love of Christ fill your heart. Football, baseball, tennis, basketball, even sports exotic. Oh. You get guys in soccer, and if it's a sport, they've got it. Yeah. They have weird conversations about anything they think. Oh. They have so much in common, it's like their brains are in sync. Twins. We got Fox with the jokes. We got Frank with the knowledge. Oh. They care about all ages. They talk about pro league and college. Is. They have that high quality content talking about the teens with their big boy shoes and their big boy dreams on. <laughs> Yeah, you know who it is. Sports Fellowship. Number one.
follow Fox and Frank now.